Welcome to a very special episode of the Whiteness in America podcast. My name is Tom Bell. I'm Joshua Trinidad. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot who I was. I'm so excited today. I'm so excited, I'm so excited. today. <laughs> and we decided, uh, Josh and I were texting earlier today, and I was like, you know, we haven't recorded in a while. We should record an election special. Because so, there's not enough going on today. There's not enough content to absorb. Uh, so we, we decided that we would do a recording. It is currently... Uh, 4:11 Eastern Standard Time, um, uh, November 7th, and a big day, big day in the United States of America. Right. Yeah. yeah. Today's a big day. Um, this is the best news to wake up to. And Tom, I'm just gonna let you. I want I want you to to really talk about how you feel today. I mean, you live in Michigan. You know. Yeah, we flipped. We flipped in Michigan. You we flipped. Went yeah. And what what was the last time that Michigan was blue? I mean, what presidency was it under? Was it under Clinton? 2012. 12. Okay. Yeah, we so, in 08 and uh, 12, Michigan was blue for um, former President Obama. Right. And then in 16, um, the polls had Clinton up anywhere between six to eight points in Michigan going into the election in November, and um, she lost by. 20,000 votes or something like that. Oh, my gosh. So this is a big day. This is a big day for you. For us here in Colorado, Colorado is, um, I mean, we knew, we knew, we know where we stand. They still call us a battleground. I I think that may go away now. What's funny is when I lived in Colorado from 2004 to 2006, it was a red state, right? I mean, you had Marilyn Musgrave, who is the, I think, the state rep in the area that I lived in, Fort Collins, and she was... Pretty conservative. She was a, a W. Bush conservative, um, anti-LGBTQ, and um, yeah, she was really, yeah, really just not a good human. Um, right. Yeah. So allegedly, allegedly, yeah. I don't want to get sued. Um, <laughs> speaking of not good humans, the president, the forty-fifth president, will be exiting the White House, yes. if not on his own, by force. On January 20, which is good news for those yeah. of you that are for progress. So, yeah, my initial reaction, like I, um, I had the Van Jones reaction. For those of you who have not mm. seen the Van Jones reaction, I would Google that. Uh, um, <laughs> I could not stop crying, and I'm yeah. I'm not sure why. And you know, and I heard Van Jones explain it after the fact, and he was like, you know, because I had to I had to watch it afterwards. I didn't see it live from him, um, but you know, as a parent. Um, you know, and for him, you know, being a man of color, being a black man, like every day waking up the way he has, like not, not knowing whether or not, you know, and and being called a bastard or a son of a bitch or whatever it might be. And, and him him kind of going through those emotions. And, and I was like, yeah. And I think for me, it's not because I was like, am I really that happy that a 70 plus year old white dude is elected president? Like, or is it, or is it that we finally have a woman of color in an executive office, it feels like we finally can take a breath for a moment and have some sort of indication that maybe things are starting to move or turn around a little bit, both with the pandemic, which just has been terrible over the last few months. It's been really getting worse over the last few months. You know, the, the the violence towards black and brown bodies um, by the police and the protests that occurred over the summer and, you know, some action starting to happen, and then it felt like, 
progress was waning on that. Um, national attention was shifting, even though demonstrations were still happening. And so I think this was just, for me, a release of all of that emotional, the pent-up emotion that had been building since maybe February, when the Rona started coming around. Yeah, so I think today was that kind of feeling for me. I don't know. What are your thoughts? What are you, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Well, I mean, I, this is everything that we'd hoped. Well, not everything we hoped it'd be, but it's, it's, it has stopped the bleeding which when that's a good way to phrase it i think it's stop the bleeding and when you can stop the bleeding there's hope to you know re-energize and reinvigorate yourself if you're a country that was dying um and you know now that we've been able to do that i think now our hope is that we can come to back together and start to solve some of the issues that originally caused the bleeding um but I think that's more of the challenge right now. Um, yeah, it's ex- yeah. It's exciting to know that there's hope, though. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I, my mind goes in two places, and one is, like, there's still still 70 million fucking people that voted for this dude. Right. Right? And um, I'm not sure what their intentions were, but I do know, you know, that him being a bigot, him being racist, him upholding over and covert white supremacist right supremacist policies and actions and behaviors um was not a deal breaker right like that's been part of the discussion and so that i think signals to me you know regardless of how the election came out there's right. still i mean there's still relevance for our podcast whiteness does ex- <laughs> it, it did, did not end today it didn't go away um and so that's something that I think signaled to me that I, I think we have a lot of work to do. But like you said, maybe this is a moment of, of okay, at least with this administration, um, we can at least the, 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 the debate and the discussion and the work against the administration or with the administration will be more about policy and less about distraction and behavior and other things. And so we can start healing and doing the things that, you know, um, and centering the experiences of our minoritized populations in this country um, more so. I don't know. Yeah, I uh, I was thinking about it, and, you know, it's not going to be easy for those that did not vote for, for Biden during this time, and they're going to need a lot of love. And, you know, I'm not trying to generalize that group of voters but I don't know how they take or embrace love, but we have to be willing to to give it to them or at least have an option for them to take it from us. Um, because the Trump campaign itself and its whole and his whole presidency didn't function on an ounce of love. Um, exactly. And so, you know, for us, like, I'm hoping that it, it can be the cure for you know, whatever may happen in 2024 or even, you know, the uh, in two years from now, we have to come back in November and do some more voting. So I just I, I have a lot of hope that that love will, you know, solve a lot of these issues. And it, I think the work, the work that's needed now is is us engaging with those that don't don't see things like we all do, even those that maybe are listening right now that this is the, the work is really like knocking on your neighbor's door or you see somebody in the grocery store and having that conversation with them to say like, you know, 
I'm a good person. We all want the best and, you know, try to find some common ground. Yeah, I was really moved by, I don't know if you saw the uh, Black Eyed Peas, Jennifer Hudson collaboration when they did the Where is the Love uh, video mm. for Biden. And um, I didn't see that for Biden. Oh, man. Yeah. And it was just, oh. they, they took one of his speeches um, and then they did voiceover and then they added, and then they did parts of the song Where's the Love. Uh, and it was really well done. The video was really well done. Images from, you know, all of the police brutality and violence that's occurred in the last year and really posing the question, where is the love and how do we do that? And I really, I agree with you. Like, it's really hard to, you know, and, and this is where I, I look at some of the things that have come out in the last few days from um, African-Americans and black and, and people, folks in the black community about, you know, I love this country, even though this country doesn't love me. And then you, you look at that on a personal level. How do you love someone who doesn't even, won't even acknowledge right. that they don't love you, right? Like they, they right. just don't, you know, and I was having a conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago via text. Um, and, you know, this person is, is a big Trump supporter. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, you know, this is the thing. Like I was trying to have a conversation about, and about how do you support a bigot? Like this, this, is I, this is part of you. Like this is becoming part of your ideology. Right. And what this person said to me was interesting. He said, well, if Trump is all of these things that you say, he's not good at it, which is true. He's not a good racist. Like what I mean by that is he's really bad at advancing uh, policy or anything like that, but he is, he is an active white supremacist. I will just say that. Um, he said, and then he said, but, but I'm not those things, nor is anyone that I know that supports him. Right. Uh, he later goes on to say, you know, um, I'm not seeing anything that you're saying. If anything, I believe it's the opposite. Look at the mm. Latino vote and how strong mm. they're coming out for Trump. And I was like, oh, man. Like, so th- the the reality that this person has created for themselves or hasn't mm-hmm. been allowed to create for themselves is this um, almost – because the, the whole conversation started with, the, you know – the whole the riots are coming to riots and that's their language coming to the mm-hmm. suburbs right because that's been a a, a signaling right. by the Trump campaign so yeah I don't know I I, I, just, I think the healing is going to be hard on this because of the 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 different realities that we're living in it's very true and it's not like this is new it's just has changed in this country I mean it's healing has been needing to happen for a very long time and I think. When Obama was in office, we thought that that was the beginning of some deep healing, and that was our hope as maybe as Democrats, the same, or you know, people that supported Obama, saying like this is this is maybe the start. And then Trump came into office, and we're like, wait, whoa! I thought we were all on this healing path. And so we have to just remember of like some of the good work that's been done before our historical just lineage, and how today can be the beginning of what we hope is. It's not going to erase hundreds of years of issues, but it could be, I'm hoping, a beginning. And I'm going to do my best not to gloat today. But it's hard because I've, I've been waiting to gloat. So I did a little bit. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we all deserve a little a little victory lap, right? Like, Yeah. No no one more than Stacey Abrams, right? Like, I think Oh, my gosh, that's so true. When we look at the people that have really pushed this to happening, it, it is – folks in the black and the African-American community, in particular, Stacey Abrams in Georgia. And right. you have a whole coalition of folks in Philadelphia and Detroit. 
and Flint and you know yes. some of the other uh, epi- city uh, city spaces, the cities that exist that that really were pushing um, for this. And when you look at the youth vote, for example, um, large proportions of uh, kids of color, young young folks of color, came out in droves supporting um, Biden. Right? Like, yeah. who would have thought? Again, I don't think the excitement was around a seventy-plus-year-old white dude. Right. who has been a centrist at best his yeah. entire political career. It's, you know, it's the fact that he, um, Kamala Harris is on the ticket. It's the fact that Donald Trump stood for a lot of things that were against just them being humans, right? Like, yeah. Uh, and, and the possibility of at least engaging in a, in a discussion for progress. Yeah, that's, that's so. true. Um, and now that you kind of brought up, I don't know, I just, I've been really hopeful and I was watching Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania, obviously I think the whole world was. And I was just, uh, my only thought was like, I hope Tom's doing okay. <laughs> it's like a roller coaster. I was just like, <laughs> he's probably up. Oh no, he's down now. No, he's back up now. No, he's really up now. <laughs> I'll be honest. On Tuesday, on Tuesday night, I, um, I was watching results come in. We put the kids to bed Yeah. and it was 930 and I was doing some work and all of a sudden I just, like, I'm shutting this off. I couldn't because I remember four years and it was at the same experience from four years prior where it was around nine thirty, ten o'clock. I think I had texted you all in our yeah. group and I was like, this is not going the way it should. Like the data yeah. are coming in and I'm not feeling good. And I just couldn't, I couldn't sit through that again. So I literally went upstairs, watched mm-hmm. Toy Story and fell asleep. It's the same thing I did too. <laughs> <laughs> No, I well, that's why I texted you. I was like, "You good?" And I could just tell. I was like, "Yeah, he's not good." So, yeah. And then I woke and, up at two and watched the stuff coming in at two, and I felt a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and was up. And then from yesterday like four thirty. Yesterday was a big sigh of relief. And, yes. Know, yeah. Today was obviously the ultimate. My question now is, what do, what do you predict is going to happen with Trump? Like, how do you see this shaking out in the next month and a half, or so, two months? Well, he came out with that statement today. I don't know if you saw it. Which um, one? The, it, was a his, it was a statement that, you know, um, beginning Monday, our campaign will start prosecuting our case in the court. So, like, the funny thing I think is funny is, like, one, he went golfing when he found out he lost. And yeah. then, two, he's, if it was that urgent, he's like, we're going to wait till Monday to get this started. <laughs> so, clearly, right. like, yeah. Um, I think this is – yeah, he's he, – so the thing about Trump, we've talked about on the show, like the act of perf- like the performative act that we 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 as white people right. do sometimes with racism, like we like to put up our Black Lives Matter signs and like we do these things and but there's no like meat really behind our voices unless we're actually doing something to challenge our own whiteness and white supremacy in action or we're in our systems that we work in and engage in to do it right. Like me putting yeah. up a sign in my yard, while great, is really a more performative act than anything, right? Sure. This. This to me screams performative act, not on the same level, but like it's to it's to his base that he's going to save face, that he's not going to, you know, it's basically a way for him to, I think, say, oh, yeah, I don't I don't believe in this and try to stoke, I think, those um, fires for with his followers to see if yeah. they do anything. Um, so I don't know. I don't really know what's going to happen in the next 70 some odd days before January yeah. 20. I don't think it's going to be 
easy, and I don't think it's going to be peaceful. Nothing about no. his presidency has been no um, normal for sure. Right. It's all it's been chaos, right? He's a leader right. of chaos. So right. I don't know what are your thoughts. Well, I, I was talking to my cousin this morning, and you know, I was just like, "Aren't you excited? Like, this is so great." He's just like, "I'm a little fearful. I'm gonna be honest. I'm a little worried, but like, he still has." 72 days to be our president and, and, and nuke detroit <laughs> nuke detroit god like allegedly you know we don't put anything past this guy you know so it's like yeah there's a little fear you know like he's still our president currently and the fact that he still is is the only the only scary part about today is like there's still some some things he he could control in the current moment well but, yeah. you know uh, uh, you know kind of but mostly yes but nothing too crazy i don't think so i don't know i guess i'm just interested to see how his transition i mean he said he's not gonna you know he's not gonna there was no concession speech and so he's he's not looking he hates to lose i mean but who does but he yeah. he's like the worst loser he, he is i mean i meant losing yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so real quick before we, you know, do kind of final thoughts on this, yeah. but um for you and I as educators, Betsy DeVos, that's the other good thing. Oh man. Thing, right? Like she's Yes. That was a set of tears. January twenty. <laughs> <laughs> who yeah. who who would you put? Like who, if you had to think of somebody You? No. Nolan I Cabrera. Say. I put Nolan Cabrera. Oh, in. Nolan would be great. You know, I, I think it would be really interesting if if they were really to do someone that ex, is expansive and understanding. Like, it would be fascinating to have, like, a bell hooks in a position. Yes, yes. Right? Like that. I mean, she's faculty. She's really kind of researchy yes. and theoretical. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I would put someone in there that isn't um, – I would not do what Obama did and pick someone like Arnie Duncan. Um yeah. To, to do that because uh, now we're still living with some of the practices that are problematic from that um, yeah. race to the top and all of those things. Yeah. Um, I think I would, I would choose someone that has a vision for the educational project that, it, that can see a different future. that doesn't want to think of schooling and learning the way that we've been doing it for the past 200 years and yeah. not to think of it in a way of that testing drives all the things, but really think of it a way of, how do we have a more community-centered focus for our learning, a student-centered focus for our learning, and support yeah. the folks that are actually doing the work, the educators, and not penalize them um, the way yeah. we have, right? So, right. And to revisit, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it'll happen in, in these four years, but just revisiting um, federal loans for education and funding education, I mean, I know that's going to be a long stretch, but... I hope we begin addressing some of those larger questions. So, yeah, you know, how do how, how can we still be a successful country and get folks through school? You know, through without and accessing the bank. all levels of school without breaking right. the bank, right? Like, so right. an MD is not accessible for someone that is growing up in poverty. Right. I mean, it's really right. hard because they you extremely know, hard. They're, they're bankrolling their entire educational experience on. Uh, are they're they're bankrolling their entire future on their education, and and that's right. a lot of loans and a lot of a lot of challenge and a lot of barriers for someone that you know um, 
for someone to work through economically. And even if you do end up with a six figure job after, right. you know, 12 to 14 years of schooling post high school, yeah, um, you're still in six plus figures worth of debt. And, true. you know, the same with a PhD, right? Um, if, if you, you know, go through programs like what we went through or are going mm -hmm. through mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily connected to financial support, right? Um, which I think a lot of higher ed is restructuring that anyway, because the money's not yeah. there like it used to be for graduate yeah. stipends and graduate work. Um, it's just, it's becoming less obtainable. And I think we have to find a way to make the ability to create knowledge, which is what the doctoral levels are, and to, mm -hmm. to innovate in research, accessible for all communities. Yeah, and that, that's, those pathways need to be open. That's so true, and that's not what's happening with the bus, and it hasn't happened. So hopefully that can be a beginning stepping stone, I, I hope. Yeah. yeah. So so where does this lead us, Josh, for, for the fight against systemic Racism, mm -hmm. whiteness, and white supremacy. Where? What's right. next? Well, you know, it all disappeared today, right? No, it didn't. Just like COVID, <laughs> it ended. Everything. It's good. over. It was you never as. <laughs> and make out with strangers. Yeah, it's fine. Um, no, obviously the work is still. And like I said before, you cannot erase hundreds and hundreds of years of issues that have ex existed, still exist here in this country. That our work is now more important. I mean, it was always important, but now that we've stopped the bleeding, we're able to start the healing and our work is what's part of the, the solution. And so what we need to do is, as scholars is we need to bring, you know, the, the, the medicine. It's we're the medicine. We're going to, we're going to start healing people. Yeah. And we can stop. I, I think part of two is like, we can start doing the actual work as opposed to having to deal with, and I called it a distraction. I'm not trying to, um, minimize like the, for example, the executive order on September 22nd that Trump came out with calling crit work and white, like work against white supremacy and whiteness right. and yeah. anti-racism workshops, you know, anti-American or whatever he labeled them as. But instead of working against that, we can actually do the work Right. And so, you know, what was really disappointing for me, and, and I know I understand why colleagues were doing this, but, you know, they're like, oh, we'll just change the language or we'll, you know, we'll modify how we're approaching this. And that's really erasing the words and the thinking and the theorization and the research of black and indigenous and other people of color that have created and founded critical race theory, that have right. created and founded the work that has gone into establishing anti-racist um, frameworks in the United States that have done work to establish that whiteness and white supremacy are problematic, that have theorized these things mm -hmm. as real, um, have that, that work is largely on folks of color. And, and to say that, we're, well, we're just not going to use that language or we're not going to use that yeah. race, and that, that is exactly part of the problem, right? And so instead of Hopefully, we'll be able to move forward and continue to honor that work and build on it um, as scholars and as practitioners. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think, you know, we can't we can't do what we did in 2008. I feel like, and I'll own this. Like for me, you know, uh, President Obama was elected, and um, I think I think I, along with a lot of leftist progressives, so to speak, took our foot off the gas yep. a little bit, right? And, I did. And I did too. 
and and fell asleep and and we started focusing on our own thing and and you know I think there were a lot of folks that were working for equity and a lot of folks that were working for racial justice um but I don't think it was there on the level of the national narrative that it should have been and I know it wasn't at least you know for someone like me you know I, that had been my work up to 2008 and then I kind of was like oh I'm going to focus on this for a while and um I learned my lesson and I don't think we can stop and particularly with Biden being more of a centrist um, I, I think we, you know, it, it just gives us space to have a seat at the table to continue to fight for equity yeah. and racial Absolute, equity. Absolutely. I totally agree. Any final thoughts before we do our outro today? I think my final thought today is um, I posted this uh, video of um, Harris with a marching man. I don't know if you've seen that video where she's like dancing with the kids. Yes. Oh man, so that good. brings me so much joy. That's my final thought. Just that feeling. That's yes. it's more of my it's my final feeling. <laughs> yes, I love that. So yeah. uh, as we head out today, I'm going to read a poem uh, that was uh, posted yes. uh, on social media by a friend of mine. But the poem is by uh, Leslie Honoré, uh, who who you can find her work online, and I'll post her link to her website actually with this because um, I want to attribute all of her great. I mean, great work. I went through her stuff before I. Uh, we started up today, and the and the poem is a, a spin off of um, Brown Bear, Brown Bear, which is one of my kids' favorite books. Um, mm. If you're not familiar, Brown Bear, Brown Bear, what do you see? I see some other animal looking at me, and then it goes through this. Yeah. So this this is entitled Brown Girl, Brown Girl, Brown Girl, Brown Girl, what do you see? I see a vice president look that looks like me. Brown Girl, Brown Girl, what do you do? I fought, I hoped, I spoke what was true. Brown girl, brown girl, what do you know that there are strong women who want me to grow? Brown girl, brown girl, what do you feel that black girl magic will all help us heal? Brown girl, brown girl, what do you see a world that sees my skin before it sees me? Brown girl, brown girl, what you gonna do? March, fight, and create till I make this world new. Brown girl, brown girl, how are you so strong? Because I got queens in my blood to help push me along. With that, we'll say see you next time.